Oh, wow, look at that. It's a, it's a chestnut. That's how you know that fall is here. I've got this beautiful, beautiful, warm brown chestnut in my hands, which fell off that big tree on the side of the road. And it's maybe also because it's windy. I'm just going to throw this one away. As a child, I, um, I used to uh, collect those. I, I was mesmerized by the fact that inside, like this spiky, almost looked like a, a little bit of a, like an undersea monster with you know, these green spikes. If you would open it carefully, you would find this treasure, almost like a pearl. <laughs> but then in, in like a tree version of a pearl, you would find this beautiful glistening brown chestnut that's not very <laughs> nice as a sound there is a car uh uh what is it how would you call that a car dealer now it's not a car it's a car repair center car service center and i think they were uh, repairing a car <laughs> like i'm talking about beautiful nature about fall and then all of a sudden you're back in in this modern industrial world with these awful sounds. Well, I'm heading towards the woods. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. And, uh, and this is, of course, the perfect fall weather. We've had very, very cold weeks now with lots and lots of rain, thankfully, because after months of drought, it is good to, to have rain in any form. I don't care really when it falls or as long as we get extra extra rain to compensate a little bit for the the dry weather but it, the, the the temperatures just drop so suddenly and uh it's nice to have the sun back from every, every once in a while <laughs> back from its vacation and the skies are blue and it's uh i don't know if it's because of the sun but it smells so nice I'm still walking through a neighborhood, I'm heading for the woods, so I'm not there yet, but you can already smell the forest. And it's also because it's a very green neighborhood, lots of trees. That's one of the things that I love about this town, is how green everything is. And, uh, of course, the Netherlands, as a country, is very green. But I like this variety, where you have woods, you have hills... Not really mountains, but you've got rivers. There's so much variety in this area of the country. I, I love it here. And, and fall just brings back so many good memories. I used to collect these uh, chestnuts to, uh, to play with them. And we would even trade them in the schoolyard uh, because some, some kids were able to find these huge ones. And then of course, ultimately, they would dry out and go bad. But uh, they were like... Just this treasure that was out there in the in nature, and and you you if you looked long enough, you could find some really beautiful specimens. And then we would uh, also we learned this in um, like I don't know if that's a thing in in old schools, but in the Netherlands, at least when I was young, we always had an hour every week, which would be totally dedicated to creative stuff. It could be anything. It could be drawing. Could be uh, uh, working with clay. We learned how to um, uh, paint fabric. Um, I don't even know that all the technical terms. Um, sometimes we would even put stuff in an oven. That was always the magical thing. You'd create something in clay, and then you'd put uh, a special type of paint 
on it, which looked very dull and not very colorful. And then overnight, uh, the teacher would put those in, an, in, a, in a real oven. And then the next day, it was all like super like stone. And it was the, these, these very muted colors would have turned super bright. And uh, it was like this, uh, again, I don't, I don't have the word for it. <laughs> I'm sure that you know what I mean. But it became kind of part of the statue that you'd created. And I loved it. I created a, a statue of a, of a priest <laughs> when I was in primary school <laughs> with a cassock and all. And I think it was clay. I used a small beer bottle as a, as a base. And then I would cover that in clay. And then on top where normally the cork would be, uh, <laughs> it would be the head of the, of the priest. I don't think at the time that I considered that to be a clever metaphor <laughs> to base a priest on a, on a beer bottle. But uh, hey, years and years later, we have the buy your priest a beer day, which I think passed this year without me getting anything, which is probably a good thing because I'm, I'm kind of trying to live a healthy lifestyle. <laughs> but, um, and then so we would take these chestnuts and we put sticks in them, connect them to one another, and you could create animals or even abstract um, constructions. And it was just a lot of fun. And anyway, long story short, that's the kind of association that I have whenever I find a chestnut right there in the street. I still, like the child in me, still sees that as a treasure, like an unexpected treasure. How can people just let that lie around here? Um... The, the fact that I'm also enjoying the sun is that I still have the heating off in the house. And uh, uh, this is partially because of financial reasons. Because, um, as you know, gas prices are uh, tremendous in the Netherlands. Everything is super expensive right now. Electricity, uh, gas, and it's still rising. Uh, the, our government has... Uh, decided that there should be a cap, but it's only a cap for like regular usage until the beginning of next year to get us through the winter, basically. Um, but then I was like, okay, but what is, how much electricity and gas do I even use in my house? Because it's a, it's a big rectory. Um, I live there alone. So and and then of course this this the whole thing we did to refinish the renovation so it's a totally different house compared to what it was uh with the previous previous uh occupants so we don't really have numbers plus they also just recently i think a month ago finally split the electricity between my house and the parish buildings that also always that used to be the same account or this so if if they would have uh, a meeting or a choir rehearsal in the parish rooms and they would uh, turn on all the lights and i don't know electric use electricity that would all um be added to the the overall tab which of course is uh it's not it's not ideal if you're uh, uh renting the place like i do and i have to pay uh for for all the usage myself oh i think i i took a wrong turn here I remember, I remember now this is a dead end. I thought this would lead me back into the woods, but unfortunately this is a... These houses are built in a circle and the road uh, doesn't go anywhere. 
All right, I'll just walk back. Not a problem. So, uh, so and now, so now that it's split up, I also have a digital meter. It used to be this old-fashioned thing that just basically had just numbers scrolling by. Um, now I have a digital meter, and it shows me there are two uh, two moments. You've got the electricity during the night, starts at midnight, and until I think six o'clock in the morning. That's low, a low tariff, and that's also what you pay in uh, in the weekends. But it, I say low, but it's still pretty expensive. It's only ten percent cheaper than the regular high rate, and that's for all the rest. Um, so now I can I can count every morning um, what the usage has been for that particular day. So I was like, okay, um, I want to know <laughs> what. What I can expect in the upcoming months. I don't want to. I already kind of pay in advance every month for electricity and gas. That's 200 euros, but it's almost certain to go over that because of these high, sky-high prices. So, okay, I want to measure this. I want to know how much I use right now. What is the norm? What is normal for a one-person household? And and are, is, it, is it way over? Is it less? Is, how can I make sure that we are not getting, you know, big surprises, financial surprises at the end of the year, the beginning of the next year? Because frankly, we don't have that margin right now. So, so that's, that's one reason, financial reason. The second reason is, of course, um, every, the gas that we use for a large part in Europe comes from from Russia, even though they... They've been uh, 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 impl- implementing all sorts of sanctions, but still, um, we, <laughs> in many ways, still pay Putin for his gas if we keep using it. So I was also looking into ways to maybe get rid of the gas altogether, which I already kind of partially did when I started renovating the house because I got rid of the of cooking on gas. So that's now induction. The only thing um, that is still running on gas is the heating and so i was like what happens if i just don't turn on the heat Uh, so right now i've got zero gas that i'm using but (laughs) the big surprise is of course this house is not very well insulated and so the temperatures have been dropping very fast I, i compare this to other people they're doing the same and they told me well you know it's getting chilly in the house. It's 18 degrees. I'd better uh, put on a pullover. I was like, what, 18 degrees? I'm sitting here in 14 degrees. <laughs> so it's, it's clear that this house um, is, is also very much behind the times because the temperatures drop way faster than it's normal, uh, at least compared to modern houses. So anyway, I know that now. And that's something I can also work on because I want to make sure that we don't send extra money to to Russia. And, uh, uh, and of course, it, it, it's going to be inevitable at one point to start heating the house, if only for the humidity, because that's another downside of keeping uh, the heat off, is you get more, the house becomes very humid. And uh, so I've now gotten a few humidity meters that I have placed it's temperature plus humidity and they're all over the house so now in every room i can see okay so now humidity is 67 68 but sometimes 
uh, like downstairs right now, the humidity is 74, and that's way too high. It should be within, I think we, between 40 and 60 is advised. Otherwise, over time, you will get mold and all sorts of insects that like humid environments, and I just don't want that. I really want to prevent because once you have mold, it will it will start to creep into the walls and all the corners, and uh, it's going to be a pain to get rid of that. So one one way to prevent that from happening and 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 get some of the humidity out of the house is by turning up the heat. Or and that's another option, and I'm I'm just calculating everything, is to get a dehumidifier, like it's something that looks a bit like a portable. Uh, air conditioner uh, or an air conditioning unit and it will suck up the air and then let it condensate on metal and then it will collect all that water and well, it's a big house so it probably need a you know a relatively big thing but that can actually get a lot of water out of the air and if it's portable you can move it around from from room to room and make sure the humidity stays relatively low so that would also be a way to um, kind of <laughs> be able to keep the temperature low and then still not have the side effects of that. But all, it's all, of course, a matter of doing the calculations. Is it worth the investment in getting a dehumidifier? Which would also actually be quite useful during the summertime because humidity makes uh, warm temperatures also extremely uh, hard to bear and, and that is why a lot of air conditioners when you use them to cool the air they will also uh, get rid of some of that humidity okay we finally are at the beginning of this path that leads me into the woods it's getting calmer now i have to slow down a little bit i don't know why i'm walking so fast maybe it's just psychologically i wanted to be in the woods ah i'm getting a little bit out of breath i just had lunch and i made myself this nice burrito but it's a bit it's sitting there and it's telling me to kind of slow down a little bit we need some digestive energy as well um so and another thing that i've been doing is uh i did a total um how'd you call that where you go through all your your expenses and you try to get a good grip on your budget an audit. I did an audit on myself. So where is my money going right now? And uh, and it's not, again, it's not, I keep thinking of what Cliff told me in his feedback uh, uh, that I addressed last week, where he said, you seem to be constantly reasoning from a point of scarcity, like there is not enough money and not enough resources, um, which can actually, yeah. Uh, that can prevent you from thinking differently and thinking more smarter in a certain way about how you can actually uh, uh, make sure that you have a a, a solid financial foundation for your life and the work that you do. Um, So it's not just about reducing your costs. It's also about how can I be smarter about making money. So I totally agree and I understand that. But it's also for me... um, I'd rather not spend money 
without any necessity there. So what can I already do? Because that's in a way also a way to make a bit of money is by not spending it. So I was going through um, a, a couple of things. First of all, I looked at my budget and uh, um, my bank has a, an app that allows you to label certain expenses. So if you go and, for instance, pay for the groceries, it will automatically tag that as groceries. And so you can, of course, correct a little bit, but over, over time, it does a really good job kind of predicting what are your, your uh, regular costs, how much do you spend on, for instance, on internet and, ra- and uh, TV and telephone. Um, you're gonna have these monthly subscriptions, for instance. And that gives you a very good, quick insight in where's my money going? How much do I put into savings, for instance? Um, how much... And then what was striking to me is by going through that and comparing it to what is normal. Uh, so what's the average that a household of one person should spend? I can see the discrepancies. I can see where I'm smarter with my money, so I'm spending less than most people do but I can also see where my budget is way overboard. And so that was one, one thing, very insightful. And I think that I found a few culprits by, by listing, for instance, the subscriptions. I was telling myself, well, why do I even have this subscription to this or that service? Could I, can I imagine my, my work and my life without this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, get rid of it. And every time I do that, it's just a few bucks, you know? It's a, some of the more expensive subscriptions are like 10 bucks a month. So, but it still adds up. You, if you cancel like three subscriptions, you, that can save you a couple of hundred bucks. And then I was like, well, there's maybe much more to gain if I start to take a look at my electrical, my electricity use. Um, and so what I did was I took everything offline. So everything out of the sockets, even the, the, the gear on standby, and then I, I made a note in my bullet journal, <laughs> like, this is how many kilowatt hours um, of electricity I've used between yesterday morning, 9 o'clock, and this morning, 9 o'clock. And then I, I kept doing that for about a week. And I noticed that even though I had taken almost everything offline, and of course I keep, I keep doing the stuff that I have to do, like I have to cook, I have to sometimes... Um, use the computer. So the, the stuff that I do every day, I wasn't going to change because those are obviously necessary to, to do what I do. So what else was using electricity and causing the costs to rise? Well, I couldn't figure it out. So I turned everything off and then I was still looking at an, a usage of electricity that was, that was way above normal. I was like, well, did they make a mistake? Is there, they are still doing the renovation or they're still building that parish extension, the parish house extension. Uh, and and they're, they are using a lot of like heavy equipment. Like maybe that is still my electricity that they're using for that. I, I couldn't really imagine that. And I was like, well, but how can I still use up so much electricity if every, I'm not even the TV is now not connected to the, to the socket anymore so I only have my modem maybe the modem is using up a lot of electricity that is possible I didn't measure that my computer cannot possibly be the culprit because I have now have the MacBook Air which is one of the most energy efficient computers on the market 
I have a monitor that is on from time to time, but and then I use my iPad for half of the day to do everything on. So that doesn't that that one charges during the night and can't be the source. Of, and then all of a sudden it hit me. It must be the boiler. Or should I say the boilers? Because the heat comes from gas that's in the basement. But the warm water that I use for showering and for uh, to wash my face in the morning, that's coming from a boiler that is in the attic. And it's on electricity. It would be kind of dangerous to have gas in the in a wooden attic. So I knew that that was ele- electrical. So I was like, huh. And then there is a second boiler that was placed in the kitchen for if I want to do the dishes. I barely ever use it. I, make, I use it to make tea. Because <laughs> then I preheat. The water is already warm and I put it in the boiler, the, like the manual boiler, so I can make tea. Uh, and, and also coffee in the morning. But that's, that couldn't be a big expense. But anyway, I took it off uh, I turned it off anyway, so that's like a 10-liter boiler. It shouldn't be too too uh, electricity hungry, especially because it's a newer model. And then I went up the stairs to the attic, which is kind of a hassle because you have to lower uh, a um, uh, oh, what's that in English? <laughs> uh, the, you have to lower the the ladder. Um, so it's not a, there's not not a, uh, a flight of stairs to the attic. Uh, so I climbed up, got into a bunch of cobwebs. You wouldn't believe it was like oh this is man this is like a, a dungeon in a Harry Potter movie. So I went back. I took some measures to first get rid of all the spider webs up there in the attic. It was scary almost. And then I. Uh, uh, the, the problem with the attic is it's only partially covered. Only the, where the ladder goes down, that's where you have planks on which you can walk. And the rest is just an open framework. I had just read um, the, uh, the magician's nephew from C.S. Lewis. And that story actually starts with kids walking on, on, in, in, uh, on the attic to go from one house to the other. And it's not covered. So they have to go from... from um, uh, from from wooden, what is it, support? Su- yeah, su- is it support? I seem to have a problem with vocabulary this morning. Anyway, so they walk, they cannot walk over the floor of the attic because there is no floor. That's the same with me. There's no floor. There's just very thin ceiling plates and, and then they are covered with some insulation foam and that's about it. So anyway, I finally found the place of the boiler and then I... Uh, I took a picture of the thing and looked it up on the web. Turns out that is a 80 liter boiler. I don't know how many gallons that is, but it's big. And, and of course it's big because this used to be a house when it was built for two priests and maybe even a third, like an assistant or a, a maybe a housemaid or whatever. This is from the 50s. So obviously every room had its own warm and cold water people there may have been a shower right from the beginning um that was about it but so it was built this house was built for two or three people not for one person and so the boiler actually i think is from the beginning of 
the, this house. It's very old. It must easily be 30, 40 years old. Um, and it's way too big. And so I turned that one off. And I did that this yesterday morning at 9. And this morning I went to the central meter system to look at the score. And that was where I noticed that that cut the electricity bill in half. That was that one boiler that I only use for to take a one minute shower in the morning. That's all I use it for. That was eating up four kilowatt hours, for, between four and five kilowatt hours every single day. That's a lot of money for just a little bit of warm water. So I'm super glad that I have found the culprit. And that you may again say, well, isn't that the scarcity mindset? It's just a few bucks, but it's a, it's five bucks right now with the current. Like I looked up our our energy provider and their tariffs, so that costs me about five bucks a day just for the for the warm water. Five bucks a day. Multiply that by three hundred sixty-five plus winter is coming. So. It is probably if the if the attic usually goes sub zero, I mean sub freezing temperatures, which means that that boiler has to keep that 80 liters of water constantly, you know, boiling hot. It's going to use even more energy during the winter time. That's five, six, maybe seven bucks a day. So that is between 1500 and 2000 euros just to have a little bit of warm water for one minute. Of showering, I, I was talking to a friend about that, and uh, that friend said, "Well, you can just wash yourself with warm water. You don't have to take a shower." I'm like, oh my gosh, but that sounds very Spartan. And but then I started to do the calculations, and I'm thinking, "Whoa, wait a minute!" But that is a difference of almost two thousand euros. That's a lot of money. Um, would I trade that for slightly more primitive way of washing myself in the morning? Sure, let's give it a try. So <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do this morning. Uh, see if I can dispense with the shower. I st- I'm going to regret this over time because when you come back from running training, for instance, you do want to take a shower. Maybe I'll try cold showers. I know this sounds crazy, maybe. And, and it even sounded crazy to me couple of days ago but I'm thinking well now that I found a culprit and I still want to uh, measure all the gear because I think that the cooking and maybe using the oven or I've got an old microwave maybe that's also consuming more energy than is necessary um, so maybe kind of make my, ho- my house a little bit smarter um, turning off all the standby stuff, maybe even turning off the internet during the night. It's not that I'm using it. <laughs> all that all adds up over time. Uh, and so I'm actually making money by not spending it, especially on stuff that I don't have, you know, any that doesn't really uh, benefit my life. Uh, that boiler is going to be a very simple solution. It's got to go. It's got to be replaced, obviously, by a much smaller, modern boiler. The newer ones are, first of all, much smarter with energy. Energy, because they're just... <laughs> technology has changed between now and, and 1950. Um, less water, because I don't... I, as a one person, I don't need 80 liters of water every day. Um, 
And uh, what was the other thing? We can even insulate it. Hey, doggy. The smaller the dog, the more it barks. I have no idea where I am. I don't recall ever having been here. They're building a house here on the right. Um, oh, yeah. And another thing is, if I replace that, I can even replace it with a boiler that runs on solar. Uh, that apparently is a very common thing. And they're not that expensive. You just put a, a solar panel, panel on the roof. And that will, again, cut the cost of a boiler in half. And then I also plan, am planning on insulating the attic. Maybe even put a floor on the entirety of the attic. That's a big project. Um, and that is going to be costly. But if the energy prices stay like this, it will be a very quick... Uh, it will turn a, a very quick profit. Because uh, you, you have to invest once. Plus, I don't have to invest in that. I can... <laughs> And I can try to convince the parish that they should invest in it. Because I'm just a renter. Now, of course, I want to facilitate. I can organize it. But they're going to make money. <laughs> and if you do it once, it can last for 20 years. So it's going to be also a massive uh, financial advantage for them over in the long run, even after I'm gone. So anyway, I'll have to talk with them. And, and this is just a way of... I think it's also an opportunity to, to think to reevaluate so how are we using electricity and gas are there smarter ways to do this um so maybe i'll start a trend <laughs> i don't know um and you may wonder why i'm like spending all your precious time talking about ways to uh, save a bit of money um it's it's just that i'm currently in this mindset of kind of reevaluating everything i do how do I spend not just my money, but all my resources, including, for instance, my time? Uh, this was the big eye-opening insight that I had last week when thinking about Cliff's feedback. Is I've been using up my energy. Let's say I am like a, an electricity provider, and I'm putting that current of my precious time and energy into a whole lot of stuff without really asking if it's effective, if it's necessary, if this is something that people actually want. And now that I've got some very clear feedback, not just from Cliff, but for also from a lot of other people, I'm thinking, well, I, I can actually economize on that energy by doing less, but by doing things that are really making a difference in other people's lives, that really help. And the stuff that I think I need to do, or I tell myself that I need to do, but it's actually not useful, I can just cut that off and let it disappear. So for me, the, the whole working on the energy in the house and on the trying to see if I can make the, the entirety of the house more efficient, more energy efficient, is a, almost a metaphor of the interior, the inner process that I'm going through, uh, trying to recalibrate my resources, first of all, and then where am I going to put that so it will generate <laughs> enough heat for what I do for my mission. Okay, I'm at a different road here. Where am I? I don't know. I'm just going to follow this uh, biking lane and then go to the left. As long as I can walk in the woods, I don't mind. I need my exercise anyway. Um, so, and, and in, um, in, in previous uh, podcasts, I, I shared a bit 
uh, of my experience with the bullet journal method. I'm now doing that for about a week and a half. And that too has been a huge eye-opening experience, especially when it comes to the long range stuff, like the, the, the dreams, the big projects, the things I want to reach. Having the, or creating the habit of going through those big goals to the future logs, you know, what do I want to reach in the future, makes me much more aware of how every day should be a step towards those bigger goals instead of just, well, I have a limited amount of time, I've got a, a thousand projects, and I'm going to spend it all without having any energy left, any resources left for the bigger, the more important goals. So it is a tool that helps me to focus on what's truly important and what keeps me going in the long run. And, and actually writing that down and crossing it off when I've accomplished something is, gives me a lot of energy and it boosts my feeling that, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on track. I'm, I'm going, I'm heading in the right direction. And, and uh, also the discipline of every day when you look at the stuff that you weren't able to accomplish, to ask yourself, is this still something I want to do today? Is it something I need to catch up on? Or can I just cross it off? Maybe it wasn't that important if I haven't been able to do it. That too uh, is almost a daily exercise in, in staying focused. So it works for me. It may not work for everyone, but definitely works for me so far. I'm very happy with that. And one of those bigger goals that I set, or actually a couple of those bigger goals that I am more aware of than I used to be a couple of weeks ago was this idea of um, I want to create lasting value in, in the lives of people. I don't just want to be their weekly fix of entertainment. I'm, I gladly do that as a, <laughs> like a, a moment of contact, as a social moment. But my, my ideal is to change people's lives or to share how I've been able to change aspects of my life and maybe that will help them to do the same. All right, this is another road. Again, I don't recognize it, so I'll just cross this one too. I don't even know if I have to go left or right to go back to, to my house, but who cares? Maybe, oh, wait a minute, I can just look at my phone. <laughs> that will show me where I am. I forgot about the GPS, the wonders of GPS. Um, while I'm doing that, let me talk about a few of those bigger goals um, that I have in my future log. It's not just and that's the cool thing. It's no longer, well, maybe one day. No, I put them in a month. I don't know if it's going to end up being done in that month, but I, at least it has a certain date on which I want to accomplish that, or a month. One of those is um, the, uh, the documentaries. <laughs> I keep coming back to that, but uh, Cliff reminded me of the fact that, that I had stated that that was one of my big dreams to create like Netflix quality documentaries and it's true it's still something I love to do um, but maybe I was a bit too ambitious trying to to do one every month but why not this is um, especially if I can can also sell those documentaries to TV um, that can be a very easy way to uh, to get to balance everything and to make sure that we are not in debt at the end of the year. So that's number one, uh, which means 
I have to be very realistic. How can I create uh, those documentaries? When am I going to do that? So it's not just the due date, it's also the due date. When am I going to do this stuff? So I, I wrote it down for this month to make some progress. I, I, I'm very careful in kind of over-promising, even to myself, but at least it's now in focus. This is something I want to work on, and I'm going to work on. Another thing is community. Um, I think I've already mentioned this, but in the, during this month of October, I want to have a live moment where I can interact with the people that follow me every single day at five o'clock in the afternoon. Why five o'clock? Because it's the end of the day anyway. It's usually when my energy is starting to go down. Um, I've been working creatively for an entire day. And isn't it a perfect moment to just hang out and chat with people about stuff that you love to talk about? And then I've also come up with some ways in which I can make this even work for my other goals, which is to create more regular content on, on my various social media channels. By preparing it in such a way that I can talk, for instance, I can do a Q&A, can answer some questions. I can do, like, for instance, this evening, um, I scheduled what I call Star Wars Hour. That's probably going to be on Wednesdays from now on, but I'm going to do an extra Star Wars Hour tonight. It's going to be live, and I'm just going to take one hour to give my review and thoughts about the four episodes of Andor that are currently out. I think I know where I am now. Don't I? Wait a minute. Animal hospital? No, I don't know where I am. Oh, va- oh no, 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 no. Wageningenhoog. I think I have to go to the left. I think, yeah. It's got to be this way. <laughs> All right. So this is the road that leads to my house. <laughs> I've been living here for a year now. Exactly one year. I still don't recognize the place. All these trees look the same. Um, so, uh, and, and then I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. But if I do that, if I do reviews, and then I can cut that hour up in small pieces, like four episodes, and I will redistribute them on YouTube over the week. So I'll have four pieces of content on my YouTube channel in one week without extra effort. Well, a, slight, a little bit of extra effort. I have to create a, uh, a blurb and a, and a thumbnail, but it's nothing compared to having to sit down and create like a specific video every day. Um, and then I was like, well, wait a minute. I can do that with anime as well. Why don't I just do weekly, during that life moment, anime hour? And I'll just talk about what I've seen. I don't watch a ton of anime. I've always got something to talk about and there are tons and tons of questions on TikTok from my followers there that they want to pick my brain about anime so I can just use that as a basis for I think a lot of content and if I cut it up again in small individual pieces question by question I'll have more than enough content for my TikTok account so it's just about <laughs> rethinking how can I with a little bit of energy generate a ton of stuff that is valuable to the various audiences that I have. Um, the break, another example. Uh, I, I did the break live last week. I think it was on Friday. I'm not sure anymore. 
but I prepared it in such a way that I could at least isolate three topics and redistribute them th throughout the week as individual videos, which creates video content. It's boring video content because it's just me talking, but because these are kind of smaller items, I think that could work. Plus, it's three or four occasions to mention my podcast and to spread the word about my podcast to people that may only follow me on Facebook, for instance, uh, or on Twitter. So those are just easy ways. And I, of course, that, I, I, I don't expect this to yield an explosion of new subscriptions. But over time, it makes that I am very consistently present to my followers, to my audience, to my social community. And that is what, that's the main reason why I want to make these changes. And that's, that, that all comes back to well, why are you doing what you're doing? Which question are you answering? Am I just trying to answer this fi fictional question of like, are you good enough? Oh, I'm only good enough if I do so much. And now is now the question is, how does this help my the my my communities? And I say communities because there are, there are various communities, uh, slightly different sometimes in what they need and what they ask for me. But how can I serve them better? How can I make them feel that I'm there for them? Um, and how can I do that in a consistent consistent way that won't require extra resources? But by doing it in a smarter way, it can save me energy. <laughs> and I think those live moments during the day, I think that's, that's the way to go. So, um, work smarter, not harder. Another um, thing that's on, on, in my future log is something that I've already shared with you in the past. I've got to wait for these cars to pass. I apologize to those of you that are listening to this while they are on a walk themselves. Because I know that if you hear the stereo sound of cars rushing by, you get scared <laughs> from time to time. Because you don't know if these cars are just in your ears or if they are truly also in your part of the world. I'm, 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 my apologies for creating this uh, virtual audio world. Okay, if this car passes, I can cross the road here and head back into the woods via a path called the Kieselberg. Kieselberg means the mountain of pebbles. Lovely name. And this is also where the part of the, uh, the woods where you can sometimes stumble upon wild animals. Uh, most of them are dogs and they're not that wild. But they have to be on a leash here in this part of the woods because of those uh, wild animals that can, uh, can uh, search the woods for, for food, for instance. Um, so another, another future project that I would love to realize soon, hopefully soon, is to go on a pilgrimage with my community. So to organize a trip, I've done this once, it's already years ago, um, to organize a trip to, for instance, to Rome, or maybe to Assisi, or both, or um, to France, or maybe even to Scotland or Ireland. Why not? Right now, for if you live in, in North America, um, coming to Europe is actually super cheap. Well, it's still expensive, but it's much cheaper than it ever was because the dollar is so strong compared to the euro right now. 
So there is parity, which I don't think has ever been the case for, for 20 or 30 years. So this is, this is a great time to travel. Um, and I would love to start working on a couple of those trips. And the, so I was thinking, well, what, what could be a good time to do that? Because I don't want to wait until summer, you know, next year. Uh, I actually prefer to do this stuff kind of in the low season when it's not that busy, when you don't have like thousands of tourists in the streets. So I was thinking, well, maybe a good time could be um, right after Christmas. <laughs> like, or maybe in January. Because I know, especially if you, um, if you, go to, if you want to go to Rome, the best time to go is not Christmas. Because that's going to be super crowded. Um, but right after Christmas, the fun thing of Italian culture is uh, all the Christmas decorations, the nativity scenes, the decorations, even the songs, the liturgy, it's all going to be very Christmassy, Christmas-themed for an entire month. It's all, it lasts all the way to the uh, Epiphany and even sometimes beyond. So it's a gorgeous, gorgeous time to be in Rome. It gets dark very early. So all these thousands of lights that you see in the streets there, the big Christmas trees that they have on the big squares, the Vatican, it all, it's cold. It's not your warm, summery uh, Rome, but the prices are low. Hotels are, are very cheap compared to the rest of the year. Um, and it's not crowded because everybody has been in Rome um, before Christmas time. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe January would be a good time. Um, now, of course, that would, wouldn't be a, a, an option for, for everybody because people have to work and they have their responsibilities. But we'll see. Let me know. Actually, I don't, I'm just putting it out there if that would be something you'd be interested in. And I'm just thinking about going a week to Rome, maybe even visit Assisi. You can go there by train or by bus. It's uh, relatively close by, especially if you are used to American distances. Um, and I think it's possible to, uh, to do something of, uh, that is a mixture of sightseeing and, ex and exploring the place, but also something spiritual because you can go to any church there and celebrate mass and visit the catacombs. And, uh, I've got such fond memories of that one time that we were in Rome and I keep wondering, well, why has it been so long? It's so, for me, it's really not far. And, and it's fun. It's, I know that place so, so well because I've lived there and I've, I come back there every year. Um, but then maybe this is something for later in the year when it gets a bit warmer. I would love to do something either in France. You know, I went to the south of France in that village. And I kept, I kept telling myself, what if, you know, that village has a lot of empty buildings and they're only used in the high season during summertime for tourists. I know that every villager there, <laughs> we've been there with four priests for two weeks. Um, uh, I know that the, the, the local pastor who's in the town a little bit further down the river, you could probably just completely take over the village for a week and just stay there with a small group of people and explore Europe in a way that is impossible if you go on an organized trip with a tourist company or something like that and then go explore the, that ancient history of france uh, including its catholic history the same thing you could do in scotland or in ireland um 
for Scotland or Ireland, I would definitely go there a little bit later in the year, maybe towards the end of April, beginning of May, maybe even June, uh, when the temperatures rise. You don't want to be in Scotland when it's very warm, though, because then you get all the nasty midges in it. Or, is it called midgets? I think it's called midgets. Those tiny little flies that sting. Ugh, they're a pain. But uh, again, I have no experience with or the whole organizational aspect of it, but I'm sure that I can find people who, can, who are very good at doing that. But it would be another way for me to combine both being there for the, my community and you could even share that, which I've done in, with uh, my previous um, pilgrimage to Rome as well, turn it into, you know, make a nice video and share that with the bigger community so they can live through the eyes and experiences of the people that are joining me on that trip. Uh, oh, one big dream. Something I would absolutely... Would that that would be if I could share that with some of you to walk to Santiago? I mean, I, I keep every year I'm like, I should go back to Santiago. It keeps pulling me. It was the most important uh, journey of my life, and it keeps calling me back. And it's been five years now. Um, but what if I could walk, I don't know, maybe a week, five days, maybe just the last 100 kilometers. Maybe a little bit more. Well, actually, 100 kilometers would be nice. You do 20 a day, five days. Spend a day in, in Santiago. That could work. Um, okay, so how am I going to continue? Because there are three paths now. One to the left, one straight ahead through the foliage, and one to the right. To the right, that leads me away from where I live. I think I... I'm just going to go straight on. Gets a little bit more. You may even be able to tell there's more vegetation here, so the audio gets a bit more dampened. I'm walking over a small, sandy path, and uh, what I notice is there are these big black bugs on the on the ground. Um, they must be getting ready for the for the winter, or maybe there's just a lot of food with all the decaying leaves and stuff. There are way more walking around than normally. This is usually where I run instead of walking, but now I have to watch my step because I don't want to disturb the day-to-day life of these poor creatures. Well, they're not poor; they're just walking around. They don't know better. Um, so anyway. Having that now in my future log, so I'm thinking maybe doing one at the beginning of the year, because um, January also for me as an assistant priest, usually very quiet time. Um, I want also to go to New Zealand, <laughs> but that's that's a big enterprise, and I, I'm not even sure if it's possible, because because you, COVID is still a bit of a, an uncertain factor. Um, that we have. Uh, Actually, I think we'll, we'll hear it today if there's going to be if there is actually a new wave going on right now. But definitely, the number of infections is rising. It's nothing compared to to the previous two years, but still, it's very hard to predict what the situation will be globally uh, in a few months from now. But anyway, January would be great for New Zealand <laughs> because it's the springtime there. Um, but it could also be wonderful for for Rome. Maybe do both. I don't know. 
uh, then um, the next uh, trip could be maybe in May, beginning of May. Uh, I will be going to London. Oh, wait a minute. How did I mention that? So I, I'm going to go to the Star Wars celebration. That's around Easter. So what if I combine that with a trip through Scotland? Ooh, maybe some of you are actually planning on going to the Star Wars celebration in London and we could combine that with uh, maybe a tour of the rest of the country. Oh, ah, that would be interesting. Because then, you know, once you make the journey, you're there anyway. I don't know. Well, I'll think of it. I'll think about it. And, and kind of subconsciously, I'm constantly thinking of, of uh, uh, my American followers. But of course, this would be equally interesting maybe to, uh, to my friends here in Europe or, or elsewhere on the planet. Um, anyway, hmm, I have to keep that in mind. That's still pretty early. But Scotland, you don't go to Scotland for blue skies and sunny weather. <laughs> You go there because you want to be in Scotland and it doesn't really matter if it's raining or if it's storming because it's it's all kind of part of the package with Scotland. But wouldn't it be amazing to be to go back to Iona, for instance? And then this time I could, you know, celebrate mass there. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. Uh, there are these uh, American sisters that were so amazing that I visited. Um, they are not in that part of Scotland, but I know where they are. They have a convent. Uh, maybe even contact them and see if uh, if they have uh, possibilities to accommodate guests. I don't know. Just thinking out loud right now in, in my creative mode. Uh, but I'm going to put that in my April future log. And, and then every day I'm going through that future log and I'm going to be thinking about it, which makes it much easier to plan ahead and to work towards that goal. Uh, and then maybe, maybe early summertime go to, uh, to Spain, to Santiago. Hmm. Oh, I so want to go back to Santiago. Maybe not walk all the way from Lourdes, but man, that was so amazing. Anyway... Uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's, uh, uh, those are the big projects. Um, what else was on my list? Um, something more, uh, kind of particular. And I'm just, again, this is all my future log. Doesn't mean that I'm going to get to all of this, but it's there to think about. And ultimately when there is room in my schedule to work on it, then it gets done. And if not, we'll just push it to some other month or maybe to next year or the year after next year. Uh, another project, and this is something that actually I've been thinking about since I went to the Star Wars celebration in Anaheim, was since the next Star Wars celebration is at, it, during the Easter weekend, and I know that there are so many Star Wars fans who are from a Christian background. It doesn't mean that they go to church every week. But they definitely have been brought up in a Christian environment. What if I could capitalize on that Star Wars celebration and the interest that there is for Star Wars and that story franchise to create a crossover in the form of a, a Lenten project. And I kind of imagine something like a, a Lenten diary or something like that. You open it and it's got a little like 
almost like use Star Wars stories as a parable for what Lent is all about. And there are so many similarities, of course, because part of Star Wars is uh, religiously inspired. I'm not saying that it is a religious work, but it's definitely very compatible. Oh, I know where I am. Oh, this is the heather, uh, the open spot in the woods. The heather is unfortunately no longer purple, but it's still a nice place. Okay, so this is where I normally record a lot of my TikToks, uh, but I don't have my camera. Well, actually, I do have my camera, but I don't have any anything prepared for TikToks. So, um, I still... I'm a little bit on the fence of what it should be. I don't think I should write just a book. Because, eh, a book is just a book. You buy it and then it's still... There's a question mark whether people will actually read it. Um, but what if it was more of a... Kind of a bit like a method. Maybe a cross between a bullet journal and a and a, and a book. And just give give people some questions for every day. Something to work on. And then the, the entire journey could be 40 days towards Easter following the Jedi, or I don't know, something like that. Um, and then maybe to... So I was like, okay, 40, that means 40 days, right, of content. I have a couple of months left, but it means I should start planning in the month of October already. Hello. <laughs> Bunch of kids going to the woods. I think they're walking the dog or the dog is walking them <laughs> um, so maybe um, start making the overall outline and getting the idea in my out of my head uh, in this month of October and then start wor- working November, December, January, February because you still need a bit of time or well, in fact, now that I think of it Lent starts in February <laughs> So it's got to be ready in January, which means October, November, December, January. That's four months. It means I have to write 10 pages each month for this book. That's feasible. <laughs> so I'm trying to break it up into smaller parts. And if, we, I, if I plan that correctly, that could work. And maybe an, uh, another thing that I wanted to do is, is to, write, to do something similar but smaller for Advent. That would be very soon, of course. That's the end of November. But to almost do like a pilot project. What if I create something very simple? Maybe even publish it as an e-book or something that people can print. And then do a little Advent guide to Christmas. But then in the footsteps of maybe a Star Wars themed thing or Lord of the Rings, Tolkien-esque. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think of this? Is this again? Uh, it's it's still a bunch of ideas, and and maybe it's too much because I, if I also want to do something about the documentaries and I want to uh, be publishing these short videos every day, then maybe this is way too much. But I I I'd like to make a, an assessment of um, how could I do this uh, with with the resources that I currently have. Um, and would this be, of course, useful to people? Is this something that that they would enjoy? But I'm thinking, uh, like, <laughs> to come back to this metaphor that I started with, um, trying to make the house more energy efficient. 
uh, one of the things that I would like to do is to use two rooms plus the kitchen in the winter. So instead of heating the entire house, I'll have uh, my, the room where I work and, and watch TV and <laughs> that, that where I can do all the streaming, that's one room. So I have to heat that. The other one is the kitchen and then my bedroom and that's it. So I can keep the heat off in the other rooms. So it's concentrating the available energy or resources to make sure that three rooms are really comfortable. That's kind of how I see my work in the next couple of weeks or weeks and months. Taking what I have in terms of resources and redirect it uh, on, on just three projects and make sure that those get done really well and consistently. And then, uh, and then those can actually become really good. Uh, so what would be these three? Hmm, definitely this, this, this kind of content. So the daily, maybe the communication with my, with my communities, be it live or the podcast or, you know, the short videos, all that, that's one, that's one goal. Like I want to be in more frequent contact with my community and establish a bond of friendship or work on that bond of friendship and, and, and strengthen it. The second one, definitely the documentaries. That's, that's big because it's, it's a way for me to hone my craft and to work towards that bigger goal of one day, you know, be someone who can produce stories on the level of what we currently see on Netflix. Always compare yourself to the best of the best. That keeps you want to grow. So that's, that's number two. And number three, maybe kind of on the fence of between the, the trips and then maybe that guide, that book, that Lenten project. Hmm, that's difficult because it's two different audiences. Like the Lenten or Advent type of project that would be more for, for the geeks. Um, to help them maybe in their own faith journey. That is kind of the core, that's the heart of my mission, right? as a priest and a geek whereas the pilgrimages are more for the the people that are already kind of part of the inner circle uh, in a certain way also the the, the people that are uh, facilitating me and helping me to do what I do so that's a different target audience I don't know I'll let you decide <laughs> tell me what you think after listening to all this maybe you'll just say I'm crazy and I'm again thinking about way too many projects but don't worry they're in my future log they're not in my daily planning yet because I first want to think about stuff and then I want to make some decisions but let me know if any of these topics speak to you and this is something that you would be interested in there's one one piece of the puzzle that I haven't told you yet um, which has to do with this idea of creating um, I should wrap up I've been talking for about an hour um, about this, this whole, you know, Star Wars guide to Lent or whatever you want to call it. Um, like, I would like to do a tour in the United States in a, in maybe in September, October next year um, and do a college tour. Just go visit universities and it helps if you already have something that you, they can sample before you go there. So I was thinking, well, maybe if I write a really good... Um, a, a, how do you say that? Like a companion book 
for your growth in faith. I don't know how to how to how to word how to uh, enunciate that, how to describe it, but it could definitely help if you want to uh, get you know grow interest for a tour like that. Um, well, we'll see. Anyway, uh, this is what I wanted to share with you. I'm going to wrap things up because. Yeah, you've got things to do, I've got things to do. But thanks so much for the privilege of your time. If you're one of my patrons, I'm looking forward to reading your feedback on Discord in the brainstorm session or the think tank session. And if you're not uh, part of the the Patreon community, you can always reach me on social media or send send an email. Or (laughs) If you look for Father Roderick, I'm sure you'll know how to make your voice heard. All right. I'm wrapping up. See you later or talk to you later. And and thanks so much for all your support. God bless.